Hey, Fidelity. What's it cost to invest with the Fidelity app? Start with as little as $1 with no account fees or trade commissions on U.S. stocks and ETFs. Hmm, that's music to my ears. I can only talk. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Zero account fees apply to retail brokerage accounts only. Zero dollar commission applies to online U.S. equity trades and ETFs and retail Fidelity accounts. Sell order assessment fee not included. Some account types and securities excluded. Details at fidelity.com slash commissions. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. Are you tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? Well, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Thanks. I don't need help. Just watch me love myself. That's all I want. I'm Claire Fallon. And I'm Emma Gray. And this is Love to See It, an obsessively detailed recap podcast about reality dating shows like The Bachelor and other pop culture that makes us laugh, cry, and curse the patriarchy. We can't live with these shows and we can't live without them, but we can break down every juicy moment and unpack all the weird messages these shows send us about love, sex, and dating. Welcome to Love to See It, a podcast about live shows on stages. That's right. Today, we are talking about the absolutely surreal experience that was The Bachelor Live on Stage. Unfortunately, Claire's toddler gave her an awful debilitating cold, so she wasn't able to make it to the show, and she's still pretty sick, so we sent her off to bed. But I was able to be there along with our former producer, Harry Huggins, and friend of the pod, Livia Kramer. Claire, we cannot wait to fill you in on all the weirdness that you missed, including some gossip, which we witnessed live and we'll get into later. And we hope that you feel better. Harry, Liv, I'm so glad that you could be here today to discuss the like really weird night we all had on Saturday. <laughs> did it really happen? Like, did this? I don't know. This is like a dream to me, but not in like. I think I was it was a fever dream. dream, a total fever dream. But I'm thrilled to be here, and I feel like we all learned a lot about ourselves that night. <laughs> we really did, namely that none of us want to watch a two-hour and fifteen-minute-long show, and all of our attention spans seemed to cap around the 90-minute mark. And apparently, I really like to heckle people. <laughs> <laughs> you were you were getting really into a lot of the, the like, with the crowd of heckling people. And uh, yes. I was really just ready for it to keep going. I didn't, anyway, we'll, <laughs> we'll get our lot, last thoughts later, I think. But I think I was more positive about it than some people would be. So before we really get into it and go through what the show actually entailed and how we felt about it, I do want to just give a really quick shout out to two listeners who separately came up to me at the show, Tara and Emily. You were so sweet, made me feel very cool and just 
thank you for saying hi and thank you for listening. Okay, guys, Harry live. Let's fucking do this. I feel like we need Andrew's British voice to lead us in. To oh my god, the show. that was the most ridiculous. Like the beginning of the show when we walked into the theater. First of all, like you seemed super surprised that these fans know, like recognized you there. I don't know if you forgot that your face is on the art of the show because <laughs> you, I was like, oh yeah, duh. Like people know what she looks like. It's on the it's on the art we made, <laughs> and. But then as soon as we went into the theater, like one, they were highly encouraging people to get drinks in the lobby. And there were like so more bars than I've seen at any like Broadway theater, I think. Like <laughs> right when you walk in, there's a bar, then there's another bar. And then there was like three other bars at the theater, at least three other bars that I counted. Thank God. Yeah, that That's- was a necessary part of the evening, in my opinion, for a variety <laughs> of different reasons. Well, I was coming in. I was coming in pretty sober to this, so it was, uh, you know, like it was. It was uh, interesting. I will say that Liv and yeah. I had come <laughs> from a birthday party into a dinner, so we had been kind of like steadily keeping up a, a light buzz. We were by no means drunk, but by the time we entered the theater, I was like, "Oh, we all need a drink," and I think <laughs> the three of us each got a drink, and we were also with Brett Vergara. And he also got a drink. And then we were like, well, if we get drinks, we might as well also get snacks. So we just entered our seats with like armfuls of popcorn and tequila. (laughs) Yes. Honestly, the popcorn, it could not have felt like a more appropriate snack because it was it was one of those environments in which, yes, I mean, I always want a snack. But there are certain times where that motif of like, popping popcorn while you're watching something really entertaining (laughs) or crazy go down. It's like when you're watching two people have a fight on the street and you're like, oh, I wish I had popcorn for this. It was the epitome of that kind of entertainment. So it was the perfect snack, you know, accompanied by the perfect amount of alcohol for the- Yeah, we were basically that gif in, (laughs) in real time. Um, Okay, so a lot of people, when we said that we were going to do this episode, were like, can you please explain what the fuck this show is? So I feel like maybe (laughs) that is where we should start. We won't do like a whole detailed rundown because we're going to get into the different parts. But basically, loosely, what the show is, is that it is meant to, over the course of one evening kind of very, very loosely mimic the format of a season of The Bachelor, except using conventions of kind of more traditional game shows. And like some, I would say in like some variety show slash like cabaret aspects or something. Yes. And I don't know how much of that was like. a cross of the dating game and like Countess Luann's cabaret. (laughs) And that's the vibe that the audience really brought throughout the night. Like, li- <laughs> like there was a lot of audience, uh, vocal audience participation. Uh, You're whether talking it was about me. Welcome. <laughs> I'm tr- trying to talk about you without talking about you. No, you but can talk about you me. Were- I've spent a lot of time in theaters. And so I feel like. You know, it's actually nice when you're someone who's used to sitting at a Broadway show and you're only allowed to be vocal at certain 
portions of of the evening. You're only there there are socially acceptable times to respond, but in this sort of environment, it really did feel like there was a little bit more of a call and response and mm-hmm. our input was maybe not welcome but encouraged. <laughs> definitely tolerated. Yeah, it, was, it was allowed. It was definitely tolerated. tolerated. It was tolerated. Yeah, that's perfect, Harry. So the host was, was Becca Kufrin and she yes. at first at the beginning was like kind of sticking to a script and I mean she wasn't like off script at all but she was not letting time for like the audience to respond and I was like oh god this audience is out of control and like completely plastered and yes uh it was a rowdy audience like Liv you were in the majority of how people were responding I was the old like sole person like scribbling in my notebook being quiet most of the time but even I loosened up a bit yeah I think Within the first five minutes, Becca did her little intro mm-hmm. and like had all explicitly said like no one boo, and then the, <laughs> she mentioned Ari and like everyone booed <laughs> immediately. It was like this is the she vibe of this audience, we were and I love to it. Boo then though, that was like that's when you're allowed to boo. I she did, did though, after the fact. Yeah, I say, did appreciate this is the one acceptable time. I appreciated the fact that, you know, it obviously went off the rails in the sense, but the intention of saying, like, please be kind to the women coming up on this stage, it takes a lot of guts. It takes, you know, a lot of kind of suspension of whatever public embarrassment issues you may suffer from in order to come <laughs> up here and put yourself out there like that. So I appreciated the fact that. You know, I obviously didn't listen, but she encouraged the audience to be generous and kind to the people volunteering to participate. Yeah, I thought that was definitely the right tone to set. So Becca was a constant presence on the stage. She was the one kind of keeping things going along with two dancers who also kind of doubled as stagehands and one of whom was Sydney Lotwako from Colton Season. She's a professional dancer. She was really great. She, she was, was like the most She was the most polished part, I'll say, of the show because she is an actual performer. Yeah, she could have she was basically being like the on-stage producer, like guiding people to where they had to be, like bringing yeah. the contestants up like when it was their turn to do something and like put it pushing them back when sometimes they didn't realize that their turn was over or whatever. Like yeah, she was, she super, was doing the most, honestly. Yeah, she was like yeah, the, the opposite of, of chaos on that stage while everyone yeah. else was really pro-chaos. Yeah, the show clearly could not happen without Sydney and the other dancer and also kind of Becca's steady hand leading everyone through because no one else on stage, including The Bachelor, really knows what the fuck is going on. So every show has a main cast member as the Bachelor of the Night. We were in New York City, so our Bachelor was Justin Glaze from Katie's season. I think we were kind of in the middle of his run. Mm -hmm. I believe he had done a couple shows before we saw him and still had a couple to go. Um, And then there were, I think, about 10 contestants who were also involved. And these contestants were actually selected from the audience prior to the show and then were put through basically a series of challenges, which they framed as dates. And then there were intermittent rose ceremonies where two people at a time were eliminated, finally leaving the night with a final rose winner. 
Another big question that we got um, was like, how the hell does casting work? Like, are these people paid? Are they planted? And I think we all discovered that they are not paid or planted. (laughs) They are just genuinely people who decided to show up real early except for maybe shoot one their shot yeah we did there <laughs> we were suspicious of one person who did seem to have the answers of a plant yes also it needs to be said that god what was his name on michelle's season the guy who showed up with the binder ryan was that his name yes mm-hmm. he had been he had participated in Bachelor Live before it was oh, right. shut down due to COVID. Oh, they are definitely not afraid to use this show as like an early casting ground. Totally. I think that's very clear. There was definitely one woman in the cast that we saw that we were like, this woman's going to end up on The Bachelor mm-hmm. in right. some capacity. I mean, all of them were dressed up like super nice, like n- nicer than like there were people in the audience that you could tell had gotten dressed with the eye toward like getting on the stage or like getting into the uh, into the contestant pool. Yes. Oh, for sure. We we entered and we're like drinking our drinks and Harry's like, there are women in full gowns right now. <laughs> like what is happening? And, we're and in, then like, we our figured out jeans and <laughs> boots and you know. Uh it's my worst makeup. nightmare to end up in a situation like these women were in. So yeah, I did not show up ready <laughs> to fight for Justin's love. I preferred to be in the audience and be able to like safely mock everything that's happening, which probably doesn't say good things about me. Um, I don't want to do any of the labor, but I want to do all of the snarking. <laughs> yeah. Uh, audience participation is like my greatest fear when I go to any live show. And so I, you know, I wore my like frumpiest L.L. Bean coat so that like no one would think like, let's get this stylish man on stage. I actually Harry was like, do not confuse me. I actually love audience participation. Um, I famously went on a date on stage with friend of the pod, Dan Radcliffe, when he was doing a play at the public theater. Um, So I'm actually a little disappointed in myself that I did not scheme in advance (laughs) to get on that stage so then I could participate in this podcast from the perspective of a contestant. So that would have been amazing. Well, yeah, missed opportunity. For anyone who's wondering, what you would have had to do (laughs) is get there at least an hour early and briefly chat with a table of casting people, take some headshots, get assigned a number, and then come back right before the show and get told whether your number made the final cut or not. So there was some screening involved. It was clearly a fairly light screening process. Um, But I will say they probably benefited from the fact that New York is a town full of performers. A fact that did not come up once during this, and I was so disappointed because how many how many storylines have we had about people being an actor and that coming up and then therefore being there for the wrong reasons? Like, I was pe- expecting people who clearly had acting experience to get the Greg Grippo treatment. 
And that just didn't happen. No. This there was so much less that like my big overarching complaint about this, which is probably for the best. It probably would be a lot more awkward if this actually happened. But I wanted drama. I wanted I wanted on stage makeouts. Like I I don't know why. I like I went in with the expectation that the producers of this show would be as terrible as the producers of The Bachelor and The Bachelorette and like force these random people to I do terrible things. I think they would have things. to sign a lot more releases <laughs> to do that. Yeah, it I sounds like a lot more work than they were interested in putting into this whole production. That's fair. That's fair. But they they did, I mean, like, they didn't have anyone who was, like, shy on stage. Like, they did a really good job of casting people that were gonna perform. Like, and some people were more natural-seeming than others, but, you know, it was it was still fun to watch all of them. I agree. Everyone went for it. And I have to hand it to these women that they like really did show up. Most of them had like an opening out of the limo line prepared and they were like pretty good lines. Uh, Does anyone remember? Yes, I have some written down because I had my little reporter's (laughs) reporter's notebook and my little pen like writing in the dark. So it's a bit chicken scratch. But one was like a geologist or something. Uh, I think it was Stephanie, who was a geologist, and said that uh, they could make the bedrock. Mm-hmm. Yes, I remember that. That was good. That was, that was a, good a pretty one. good one. Um, Devin was uh, worked at Disney at one point and mentioned something about being the happiest place on earth, and that's all I got from that one. Uh, oh, KG said that uh, every kiss begins with K. Again, no uh, a spoiler here. They did not kiss. No one kissed. That's one of <laughs> my biggest disappointments. No one kissed. Um, oh, and then G- was it Gina? Gina, the the realtor, or something. I think that sounds okay. right. And We're then- just gonna put it out there. We did not commit all of the names of all of these contestants to memory. So apologies <laughs> in advance for butchering any of their names. Correct. Apologies to Gina if that's not your name. But uh, she <laughs> was a realtor or like a broker or something. And she said that she could find a home for them, which I thought was extremely forward. And I liked that vibe. <laughs> I liked it. There was also, I don't know who said this, but someone said, I volunteer as your masterpiece. <laughs> Yeah, I guess because they're both artists. There were some artist jokes. And in response to that, I realized that everyone missed the most obvious limo exit. And Titanic ended up being a huge theme for, like, the rest of the night. And yet no one did a draw me like one of your French girls. And, like, I was very disappointed by that. Because that just felt, like, ready and waiting. One sweet, sweet girl, poor Lisa, just got very flustered out of the limo. Like, the rest of them were so perfectly delivered. And she just said, what do I say? I loved that. And I, my heart went out to her. But she ended up pulling through and making it pretty pretty far. I think she was probably awarded a piece of Kendra Scott jewelry. Oh, yeah. Noted sponsor of this show. There was a lot of <laughs> Kendra Scott product placement and uh which was great because then there were kind of stakes like they were giving them out as prizes. Uh, but Le- Lisa also like ha- was such a disappointment. No offense Lisa, but uh Becca was <laughs> Becca was doing intros for all of them and Becca's intro for Lisa said that she could lick her eyebrow. And re- remember? <laughs> yeah, we were all very confused. Oh, we were yeah. all very she confused. meant elbow. She meant elbow. And I was 
immediately disappointed. I think I gave out a boo there. <laughs> but that, yeah, that Harry was like, fault. That's not lick, Lisa's fault. Lick your eyebrow, bitch. <laughs> lick your eyebrow. Just kidding. He didn't call anyone a bitch. Harry's that's, very that's nice. That's me. That's me. What an impression. Yeah. <laughs> I sounded just like you. <laughs> I will say, I, I just want to note that um, just to set the scene a little bit, they did, while this was happening, have like a big full screen projection of the front of the mansion, wet driveway and all. And then alongside that, they pulled up like a faux limo, like a portion of a door that you would see someone like carry across the stage. And they opened the actual limo door for the girls to climb out of. And I just, I give them props for kind of committing <laughs> to the scenic design of I do too. You know what? World. I was actually, I was into the the kind of production value yeah, of totally. it. Like it was kitschy, it was very winking, but they also like had some pretty great props and little backdrops. And I, I that part of it, I actually enjoyed. I totally. thought that was fun. Yeah, it made it a lot more like I was seeing. That's kind of what I expected of the whole night was like a lot of like pre-produced or like a lot of like production stuff and a lot less like, random audience participation <laughs> but uh so i like those parts a lot and like uh, like you mentioned like all of the the main format of it was a series of games and i love games so it was is really fun to watch all of the dates be just random types of game my big shame is that i kind of hate participating in games i'm like not a game person but I do actually really enjoy watching other people participate in games. So the dates were, you know, I mean, let's say varying degrees of successfully entertaining, but they were there. I think next we should kind of go through what some of these various dates were. They started out with the newly met game, again, taking cues from those classic uh reality dating game shows and the way that they set it up was like Justin had to answer a question and all of the women had to answer a question with like a basically in a multiple choice capacity and they had to line up next to the answer that they identified with and then if they answered the same as Justin then they got a point because they were compatible was there anything from this game that stood out to to you guys? Um, yes, two things. One, Rick made a surprise appearance to give the date card for this one, which Sweet I thought was Rick. Cute. Yeah. Was yes, Rick from Michelle's season of The Bachelorette was there. He was previously the lead, and he was in New York, and so he had a little cameo. And I think he came close to winning this game. I think he would have won if not for um, Sydney, who was great for the rest of the show, was uh, really bad at giving out points <laughs> properly in this portion of the show. Like, she missed the points for the whole first question, and uh, which did affect the end score, the end result of who would have won. The fact uh, that Harry, Harry was, upset. was paying attention to this while I was no, sitting there. No, he was there. saying this live. He kept leaning over to me and feeling being like, they forgot a point. Like they messed up. This is inaccurate. Like producer Harry had his producer hat on. 
Or it could have been intentional because maybe they were trying to pull a fast one on us and they assumed that most people in the audience, unlike you, would not notice. And this was their (laughs) way of kind of manipulating the results because, you know, they wanted certain women to advance. That's true. That's true. They were doing their producer thing. But I I sensed a great injustice on on the part of some of the contestants there. They were not getting the points they deserved. (laughs) Like yeah, Rick. like Rick. And I think, uh, I don't remember who won exactly, but I know at least one person should have won that did not win. I Didn't oh, Amelia well. win? No, Amelia came I, close. Amelia to won the host, the house vote, but like the audience was vote trying to vote for Amelia, but someone else won. She was the one that should have won, is what I have in my notes. <laughs> the one thing that stood out to me was that one of the questions was like, how many kids do you want? Oh, don't and there was no option for zero. And I was like, what the fuck? (laughs) It was just one, two, three, or four. It was four plus. Like you're legally obligated to have children. It was like the equivalent of a leading question when cross-examining someone on the witness stand. (laughs) It was like, no, no, no. There are only, I am backing you into a corner where your only option is to have children. So God forbid you don't want to have any or you are undecided. You have to pick between these series of numbers. <laughs> yeah, really indicative of the uh, fundamental conservatism of this show that like no one <laughs> considered that a single woman might be like, I don't know if I want kids. No, no, at least one. Minimum one. Yeah. Also, one of the other questions was um, forcing them to pick a favorite bachelor. And I think oh, this was I think it was the first question and only one of them made the right move or had like the had the creative thinking to be like, oh, uh, none of the former bachelors, <laughs> which I think was the right choice, both from my perspective, where we've had so many bad bachelors. And also, if you're on stage, that's the right choice, too, because clearly Justin's the best bachelor and he was not one of the options. And that is what this woman, Jojo, said. She was really killing it in the beginning. Mm -hmm. She got the first impression rose. And she also is the one that we were talking about, that we were like, is she a plan? Is she she going to end up on this show? She was just like a tall model. Correct. Who seemed to know exactly how to navigate. She was saying all the right things. Almost problematically so, to the extent Mm -hmm. that it's like, come on, just play the game. Like, like, you know, be a little rough around the edges, have some fun with it. Like when you lean too heavily into that, I mean, that's when my eye rolling started and I am. That's when Liv started heckling. I started heckling. She took a nosedive because the games got a lot sillier, like very quickly after this. Once it got away from like doing conversations and stuff and she couldn't use her her lines, like not not to denigrate her. Like she was saying the right things. I would have said those things, too. That's what you say to get the point, like to win. That's great. But then it got a lot sillier with the next games. Yeah. I do think yeah. it's worth mentioning that the four bachelors that they were asked to choose from were Pilot Pete, mm-hmm. Matt James, Nick Vial, and, and Clayton. Clayton, right? Clayton. Right? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I none mean, of weird, the weird selection. I I don't know. I'm team yeah, Nick, it was a weird selection. But I would have chosen Nick too. I didn't watch Nick's season, so look. I couldn't have picked that. Like I d- don't know. I've missed oh. that one. Wow, that's a real gap in your bachelor knowledge, Harry. But but we digress. Another game that 
happened was sort of like a lip sync battle style game. This was a quote unquote group date. And this is when things really took a turn for the intense and kind of incredible and surreal. Like it was supposed to be lip syncing, but it turned more into like a dance battle. Mm -hmm. This is where I realized that this show is nothing like what I expected it to be. Like I expected it to be (laughs) like I, I did not think that they would have any like of the physical aspects of the dates on The Bachelor, like the, you know, like the rugby dates or like the driving cars or whatever dates like this is when it started to get like super physical and the audience got really into it and so did the contestants and i was just like oh i did not expect this of random people from the audience like being this into into doing the physical parts of it there were a lot of dance moves one woman kg just like got on that stage (laughs) floor and just like did the worm like her mouth was very close to the stage she was uh, like Devin did the dancing. splits yeah she was like break dancing Devin did the splits she's Love again Devin. the the former Disney princess um <laughs> and Sheree who was the real standout oh yeah she had banged so hard that her wig came flying off and I just have to take a moment to say that as that happened like the collective audience, response just from that moment on for Sheree as a contestant it was like we witnessed something potentially really embarrassing yeah really embarrassing like you're already in an embarrassing position by being up there and then something like that happens and it felt like the entire audience by the way and Becca and Justin everyone everyone from that moment forward knew we are taking care of this woman. We are celebrating her. We are yeah. applauding her because she just put that wig right back on and kept dancing. And that takes oh my God. so much strength. Yeah. It was pretty oh, amazing, fucking incredible. Actually. I mean, the crowd went wild for her. And I agree. It was like so heartening. You're like, oh, this is fucking New York City. Like we're on her team now. Yeah. Um, and that was definitely the feeling in the audience and also on stage, all the other women, like they all had good rapport with each other. Like it was overall a very hashtag here to make friends vibe on the, on that stage. Yeah, I mean, it was and like, it was like the first episode that. of most seasons of the bachelor where like all of the women love each other and are like, we're going to have a great time. Like the first toast is at, <laughs> after the first night is always like, here's to us being the best group of friends ever. And <laughs> And then obviously production's like, no, that can't happen. But that didn't happen on this live stage because there was only one night and the producers didn't get a chance. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So we stayed in that in that nice, nice space. But definitely like the lip sync battle was like a an epic date. Yeah. Another date that stood out to me. Oh, we should say that people did get group date roses from these. Yes. Yes. True. I think Sheree got that. Yeah, Sheree got that group date rose. And then someone got a group date rose. uh, The wrong person got the group date rose from the uh, newly met game. So we did, we got a rose ceremony at this point uh, where they like actually had the girls like line up on a platform and, you know, on their, on their risers and like do the actual rose ceremony of everything. One thing that was very funny about that was like, you know, and this is where you could see a disconnect between Justin actually having participated in the show and 
women who are just, you know, up there as contestants for the night. I don't, I think it was during this rose ceremony or it was during one of them where he was like offering women the roses and they were coming up and none of them were giving him the hug, which Mm -hmm. is like the, like the textbook choreographed what you're supposed to do when you accept the rose, you accept the rose, you give them a hug and then you go back to your spot. Yeah. A couple of them were just taking the rose and walking back. And Justin at one point was like, don't I don't I get a hug? So <laughs> I I thought that was funny to just sort of see like the disconnect between he's like, no, 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 like this is how it works. And these women are just like, I'm up here grabbing a rose. Um, so it was kind of it was funny and sweet to see how those dynamics played out on stage. Um, I will say that gets to like my main complaint, which was there was no physical chemistry between any of them. And uh that again, is what I was looking for. I was looking for, like, some weird, unexpected physical chemistry between Justin and one of the contestants throughout this night, and didn't get it. Here's the thing. Yeah. I feel like Emma and I are going to say the same thing. Fundamentally is a really weird boundary there because you are presenting this low-grade celebrity that these people think they know up for, (laughs) like, sexual and romantic availability. And I think it would have been so creepy. Oh, yeah. If they had crossed that line. Also expecting I also will say that, frankly, I did sort of think that if Justin had had to choose, he would have. He he did have some uh, initial interest in JoJo, but then the audience quickly turned against yes. her and <laughs> he was true. just like, I have to eliminate you. <laughs> I I was, I wouldn't say I was expecting to enjoy the experience of seeing physical, uh, physical chemistry on stage. I was prepared to cringe myself into oblivion, but, um, <laughs> but I was just like, it, that's what I expect from, I expect the worst from the bachelor producers to like try and make that happen. And for it to, that for them to be like somehow successful in a terrible way. Yeah. I mean, I have to say I'm very relieved yes. that yeah, yeah. Exactly. no one attempted to cross a physical boundary, um, beyond what was, you know, I, I would say the, the most, physical contact that they had was like during the lip sync battle some of them were sort of like jokingly grinding right. up on Justin but in a very cute. silly yeah. cute way not in an Yeah none of the women none of the women on stage I think crossed any lines I think everyone was super respectful yeah. and that was And great. I think that's sort of like I understand Harry why it's like ooh I wish we would see a little spark but kind of the built-in almost like oxymoronic nature of the event is that the last, I I would assume that the last thing in the entire world that these <laughs> men who come out of The Bachelor single want is right. like the, the fan female attention to think that, oh, I know you and and that means like you're a real person. You're not an actor. You're, yeah. you're a real person and therefore I have a shot with you but I'm I'm your fan but like I'm a real person too, so maybe, maybe I can slide in there, and yeah. we can sort of talk about that dynamic uh, also a little later uh-huh. when we get yeah, to I kind think of we have more more to say about that yeah. given what we witnessed off stage. But uh, yeah, but there's sort of this inherent like that is the last kind of the last right. kind of woman that I think these men want to date is the, is the woman who projects herself as 
one as a fan right. who's also ready for the taking. <laughs> That's fair. I definitely also you're I think you're right, especially given that it was audience members like being brought up on stage. I kind of I don't know why I kind of went in with the expectation that it was going to be like pre-cast people like on stage with one of the bachelor, like one of the former bachelor contestants. Yeah, I think that would have been different had there actually been like a casting process. I think that would have been different. I totally agree. That's what I went in there expecting, having done zero research like a good producer does. And (laughs) then when I realized it was actual audience people, because when we when we got there, like we saw these uh, these women like walk back, walk from backstage to come uh, into the audience. I was like, aha, they're planting the contestants. And then I realized, oh, no, these were just people. Those were their seats. Like, <laughs> Yeah, those were just their actual seats. Yeah. And when they got eliminated, half of them were just like sent back yeah. to those initial seats. And Becca kept saying things like, now's the fun part <laughs> starts because you get to leave the stage and go back to your seat. And Harry and I were dying at that. She said it like three times. And we were like, this seems very backhanded. Yeah. I don't think she intends it She's like, that way. But You poor girls who are still up on this stage. <laughs> Yeah, it was very funny. Um, So before we take a little break, I want to talk about one more of the games, the naughty or nice game. And this is where we really started to see people decide that this woman, Jojo, was like the villain (laughs) of this mini season. It it really went from zero to 60 in terms of casting this woman as the villain. It (laughs) happened very fast. And I will say that I do think that she dug herself a hole during the earlier dates by clearly saying all the quote-unquote right things because I think the audience was in a place of like this is silly this is fun this is ridiculous just play the game and when she kept trying to um you know kind of make herself stand out by being like, well, I am above this game and I'm going to say the thing that's going to make Justin realize that I'm the only one for him. The audience was sort of like, come on. And so (laughs) I think that you can't bring that to cynical New York. (laughs) It doesn't work in this, in this environment. And so the turn started and then we got to this game and it was, it was like an explosion. Um, yeah. So basically how this how this game worked is Becca sort of like, are you naughty or are you nice? Tell a naughty or a nice story. It was there wasn't the a lot of thought put in this game. Justin is the principal in this school or this school classroom. Oh, I forgot there was like, a school setting. Yeah, to that this. was yeah. very concerning to me. I was like, do you understand <laughs> that you're setting up like a sexy vibe between like a powerful a principal? Man. Watching over his naughty, naughty underage students. Like, I don't think that's what you're intending, but this is fucking weird. But whatever. Like, I put best, that aside. At best, it was a principal, <laughs> like, being not playing naughty or nice with the teachers, I guess, so that it's not underage people. But then there's like weird power, like bad power yeah. dynamics. Either way, no matter what, it, was it was a the weird premise. Yes. Yeah, exactly. It was ill advised. Um, but. Uh, there were two kind of standout stories for me. First, <laughs> JoJo. People were kind of heckling her. And so then she said, fine, I guess I won't tell the naughty story about my time with someone in Bachelor Nation. And everyone was like, 
oh my God, we're going to get some tea. And like, we're like, tell it. And everyone was chanting. And then she was like, no, 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 no. I'm just, that's their business. And then she said something like really bland. A very bland, <laughs> nice story was, about a child and the child's mother. I, yeah, it wasn't even about her. Didn't I didn't make retain it. Becca said it something about sense. how she was falling asleep because of that story. I will say, Becca also turned on JoJo <laughs> yeah. in a very clear way to me. And she started to let down some of her host facade and was kind of making some snide comments. But yeah, someone did scream from the audience, I'm falling asleep. And oh, then that was everyone from exploded. The audience, it was someone from okay. the audience. It was someone My from notes the audience. Are confusing. I was writing in the dark. But Becca yeah, it's, was it's saying fair. some stuff too. Not not in a way yeah. that crossed the line, but in a way that was like it was obviously very like teasing yes. and playful. Yeah. Like all of these women weren't fine. No one actually did anything bad. But uh that was unfortunately for JoJo, just really the beginning of the end. The story that stood out to me in a good way was that Lisa did a really smart thing. And she was like, I don't have some crazy story to tell. So instead, I'm just going to like use this time in front of a massive audience of mostly young women. And she was like, look, I work in the environmental justice space, specifically surrounding issues of race and environmental justice. And so she was like, please... Google housing desegregation, look into that. It's incredibly important. And like talked about environmental justice. And I was like, I love you. This is great. Mm -mm. Fuck yeah, girl. Use your platform. Sent her home immediately. (laughs) She is rejecting the premise of the bit and therefore must go home. (laughs) I do support all of her work, but I I, uh, do not support rejecting the premise. (laughs) I mean, technically, that falls into the nice category. That is true. And like, that's what she said. She said, this is a nice and calling out naughtiness. So that is true. You know, I support her. I I think that Justin's reaction to this game, because at the end of this quote unquote, he didn't know what to do. He had to give out, speaking to the, you know, the school premise, he had to give out great letter grades ranging from A plus down to F. And. (laughs) So I think funny. he was trying. He was trying. He was to trying do to do thing. it topically. Well, it was almost yeah. as if he didn't understand that grades are related to like performance. They're not just. Yes. Th- they're not just letters attached to words. Like- <laughs> yeah, he was like F stands for fun and D stands for dry. Like he was trying to turn <laughs> he was it like, into a B thing. B where- stands for Bachelor Nation. Yeah. Like it. Was- so he was handing them out based on that, but unfortunately, as a result, that meant that he gave an F to Amelia's story, which was the one that stood out to me because she talked about like her quote unquote naughty side being the fact that she works at sex clubs to help execute kind of the giving of consent between participating parties. Yeah. I was like, Justin, you're giving an F. He gave an F to consent. (laughs) That's weird. I mean, that tracks with the bachelor, but that's fine. I, I don't think he intended to do that, but it was an unfortunate no, I think he side panicked. effect of, of yeah. the situation. <laughs> he made a bad decision to make them like an acrostic, basically, and that put him in a bad place. <laughs> exactly. I will say something that's just, you know, about all of these quote-unquote games, dates, it's a little unfortunate that they all lean so heavily into 
essentially typecasting people. Like, are you naughty or nice? The same thing with the answers of the newly met game. It was like, are you wild in bed or are you sweet and romantic? Like, the idea of the archetype was so heavily Mm -hmm. baked into everything that was being explored on that stage, which should not be surprising because that's how it works in the world of the show and frankly in far too much of our world in general. Um, But it was incredibly heavy-handed and I think there was probably room for a little more creativity up there. I totally agree. And on that note, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with our breakdown of the rest of the major dates some final thoughts, and of course, that gossip that we witnessed firsthand. Can you keep up? I like love it. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes there will be something that is just like nagging at me, bothering me about something in my life, and I just swirl it around and around and around in my head and don't quite know how to address it. And something that can really help me sort that through and, like, take action is therapy. I completely agree. I've been really stressed lately because I've just been getting sick over and over again. And before I know it, I'm feeling a lot of emotions and I don't even connect where they're coming from with the actual origin. We all carry around these stressors, right? And when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a great safe space to get things off of your chest and figure out how to actually work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash love to see it today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash love to see it. Okay, so you got engaged. Congrats. Now you may be wondering what comes next. If you're planning a wedding, the first thing you need to know about is Zola. With Zola, you can plan your entire wedding in one convenient place. From the day you get engaged and search for the venue to the day you send out your save the dates, make your registry, and even taste your cake. Zola has literally everything you need to make the whole process super easy and actually even enjoyable. There's even a five-star app that helps you plan on the go or, you know, from your couch, which is certainly how, uh, if I was planning a wedding, I would definitely want to do it as loungily as possible. (laughs) So important. I also just know myself. I, I know that planning any kind of event, like even a birthday party, can get very stressful. And so it's been really cool to see friends use Zola. It really seems to make everything a lot less stressful. And as a frequent wedding attender, I love to be able to hop on that Zola registry and just purchase a gift. Easy peasy. I know I've done it. I won't forget. Thank you, Zola. Yeah, everything's all in the same place. It's perfect. Start planning at Zola.com. That's Z-O-L-A.com. I am so glad that it's finally warming up. And it also means that I just want to have fun this summer and I don't want to be worrying about meal prep. And luckily, I can do something about that with Factor, especially because they have so many meal options like Protein Plus, 
keto, vegetarian, something for every diet. Their fresh, never frozen meals are ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every single week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Make your whole day delicious. From breakfast to dessert, stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. I love having a few factor meals just sitting in my fridge, especially because I work from home. It's so nice to finish up a taping and not have to figure out what to cook myself. Just look in my fridge and be like, oh, in two minutes, I can be eating mushroom chicken thighs and wild rice or tomato basil chicken risotto or Santa Fe style green chili beef skillet. And they always have a nice like vegetable side. It feels well-balanced. I feel full after, and it's not a headache at all. Head to factormeals.com slash LTSI50 and use code LTSI50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code LTSI50 at factormeals.com slash LTSI50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. Oh, I'm so happy the weather is finally turning. If you, like me, have been wanting to update your wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune, then Quince is for you. You can build up a lineup of timeless pieces that will keep you looking effortlessly chic year after year. Like premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings right on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices, as well as premium fabrics and finishes. I love Quince for all these staples. I mean, linen is my favorite summer fabric. They have so many amazing linen staples. I also found my new go-to like summer running around to the playground in the coffee shop bag. It's the pebbled Italian leather front sling bag. I can just fit a wallet and my phone and my AirPods in it, maybe some lip balm. Absolutely perfect. I'm so obsessed with it. And the price was exactly what I wanted to. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash LTSI for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash LTSI to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash LTSI. Anyone who's been listening to this podcast for a while or even not that long knows that we love article. I mean, honestly, I'm looking around my home right now. Coffee tables from article. That lovely chair out on my deck. Article. Our big console. Article. I'm My bed frame. Article. This is an article household. It is. And it's, I mean, it was an inspiration to me. We finally got our first article piece of furniture recently, our new couch. And my husband and I are both constantly just like, how did we live before this couch? This is such an improvement over what we had before. It's so comfortable. It just seems to get more comfortable every day. I mean, it's the couch you dream of. 
And the reason that we have both been able to find ideal furniture on Article is because Article believes in delightful design for every home. And thanks to their online-only model, they have some really delightful prices, too. Their curated assortment of mid-century modern, coastal, industrial, Scandi, and boho designs makes furniture shopping simple. And their team of designers are all about finding that perfect balance between style, quality, and price because we all want the best of all of those three things united in one piece of furniture, right? Plus, they're dedicated to thoughtful craftsmanship that stands the test of time and, you know, looks good doing it. Article is offering our listeners $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. To claim, visit article.com slash LTSI, and the discount will be automatically applied at checkout. That's article.com slash LTSI for $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. And we're back. Let's go through the last couple dates, starting with movie scene reenactments. I was disturbed that a lot of these women seem to be so young and just not have really done the very important work of rom-com education that they simply had not seen movies like When Harry Met Sally. (laughs) Egregious. A crime. An absolute crime. Across the board, it did feel like the cultural references that they were, were like older. They than, were, yeah. it was sort of like older millennial references. Yeah. I mean, whether it was Titanic, The Notebook, When Harry Met Sally, the way that they used Grease, you're the one that I want to get us into the lip sync portion. Like, obviously, Grease and uh, When Harry Met Sally are, are older than elder millennials, but totally. Yes, they were all, they were, it was all. They the movies weren't like super current. It was not references. Gen Z. They were not no. like yeah. leaning into the to all the boys generation they, by any means. They so they had them. They had like uh, each uh, each contestant act out a scene from the movie with with Justin and uh, like they had cue cards and everything to help them with the lines and stuff, which was like really well produced. But that was well produced. But they yes. like the act. The so I think JoJo was the one that had to do the scene from the Notebook, like the mm-hmm. the the pond scene and then the rain scene, and she like, clearly had not seen it. She like disrespect, basically disrespected the whole. <laughs> I, that's like the most romantic scene of like any movie of all time, and she was just like they were both delivering it with like flat affect, and I was just like, oh yeah, I was like neither of you have seen the Notebook. Somewhere Rachel <laughs> McAdams feel. and Ryan Gosling were like. I, I, I hear my scene being read and it's being read wrong. And this is when I, my full on heckle turned on because I can recite that scene top to bottom without cue cards. And so me together with Brett sitting in the audience, we were shouting, it still isn't over. I wrote you every is, day. I wrote you every day. 365 letters. Like that is the passion with which you need to deliver. There a was scene no from the passion. Notebook. It was, and there was all- none. The emphasis for all of these scenes, like they were doing all of this emphasis that was completely incorrect. And it was very jarring if you were someone who's actually seen these movies. Like KG is the one that got When Harry Met Sally and it was the iconic Katz's orgasm scene. And Although I have to knock the show because for the backdrop for that, they did a diner. I was so upset. I was like, how dare you? Not a diner. 
Yeah. Rude. How dare you disrespect Katz's in New York City? How dare you? <laughs> uh, please. Um, yeah, that was very upsetting. But then KG had no idea what the context of this scene was. No idea what was coming. And she also, I'm sorry, when, when you do the one Harry met Sally orgasm, the whole fun of it is that she Meg Ryan starts it very slowly yeah. and lightly. And then Billy Crystal gets confused. And then she fully goes into a full orgasm. KG went from like zero to like screeching. <laughs> and it was a and lot. That, but the best part was they had them reverse roles. <laughs> after <laughs> They ran it once with like with Justin being uh, being Billy Crystal. Meg Ryan. And then, then they did it with, yeah, with Justin being Meg Ryan. And his was also like zero to 100. But he got up yes. and started like humping the table. <laughs> He was doing some gyrating against the table, but you I know what? I did have to appreciate his commitment. Yeah. yeah. That was wild. That was so, I mean, and like they actually got like a, a leaf blower to do the hair for the Titanic scene for the wind blowing. Yes, that yeah, was the, great. The low-fi, like the low-tech props I thought were really funny. Like they used a leaf blower. They used little spray bottles <laughs> for all of the various like rain, rain scenes. Yeah, that was fantastic. Mist. And that was great because we just got to see, you know, the two dancers like spraying these poor women in the face. And it was very comedic. Although all I could think about was I was like, if I was on stage and someone got my hair wet, I would be so mad. (laughs) Oh, you could tell that some of these poor women were like, oh, my God, I spent so much time styling my hair and now I'm just being like heavily misted. (laughs) But, you know, that's what you signed up for. Uh, And then we got to hometowns. And I'm going to say that... By this point, I was like, "This maybe this should end." Oh, yeah. Like, what? What are we doing? Like the pe- the movie scenes was really like hilarious and kind of like the peak yeah. of the show. But then it kept going for a while longer, yes. and the hometowns was so unnecessary because obviously there was nothing. Like there w- were no family members or friends there. There was nothing really to glean. So it was just. Justin asking questions to the four remaining women and they were answering and it was like no one cares yeah, yeah I think about this I think they have a little bit of a confusing identity to the show like if you want to lean into the kind of the game show variety show format which by the way I fully support because I think that is a much more entertaining way to do something like this. Um, But there were times where they slipped back into almost trying to have kind of like a real earnest kind of conversation about who you are and what are you looking for and what will our connection be like? What will our life be like? And the audience, especially at this point in a show, it's like act three we're tired. Becca had said it was going to be 90 minutes. So we're, we know to look at our, Mm-hmm. watches and see how much time has passed and it's already been almost two hours and we're like you're going over time it you you lose patience at that yeah. point and i think that if they had kind of edited some of that out and just really leaned heavily into the camp and the kitsch of it all it would have been overall much more successful and you would have held yeah. on to the audience throughout yeah i i saw I becca was getting the hurry up from the the wings in this one 
Like I saw her, like she kept looking over and was like, okay, let's let's get move on. Yeah, I felt like she was panicking and trying to move things along. But then look, understandably, this is part of what happens when you have untrained audience participants yeah. sort of being the meat of the show. It's like people are long-winded. People are unsure what to say. They pause. Like that's just kind of what you're going to end up dealing with. So. Mm-hmm. Right. It either needed to be more highly produced or more carefully cast, or it's just going to, this is what's going to happen. I genuinely don't remember what happened with the fantasy suites, though. Like, okay. (laughs) Fantasy suites, obviously, they were like teasing it to be this big thing, but then it was just that they came on stage with some giant Hershey kisses and gave. One oh, to each of the right. final Fantasy, two women like, because it was sweets s w e e t s, which I thought was cute, mm-hmm. but I, I thought it was cute. Like I obviously they were not <laughs> going to do anything sexy, which was good for everyone involved. Um, and I thought it was like a funny little tease, but by that point again, I was like, this needs to end. <laughs> so I just didn't even care. And there's also the opportunity, and this is you know putting producer brain on. There's the opportunity to have kind of combined a lot of the dynamics throughout the show. Like, you want to play with the idea of being sexy and fun, then, you know, you can cut out your naughty or nice date. And for the fantasy suite date, just pose the question of if you had seven hours of uninterrupted off-camera time with Mm -hmm. Justin, how would you want to spend it? And their answers could be ridiculous and kind of inappropriate, but sexy and cute and that, you know, you get like kind of three of the dates in one in that sense. So they they miss the opportunity to kind of condense and, and edit themselves. I also feel like for the hometowns, they could have done a funny like phone a friend thing because every woman on that stage like came with a group. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Like there could have, I think they could have done something more interactive. It just like by the time we got to this end portion, it really all felt like it was dragging and it was getting late. There had already been an intermission. Like it was just, you, you needed to wrap it up, yeah. guys. Yeah. If, yeah. I would have um, loved if they had just to like yeah. had their uh, audience member like come up on stage and answer a question for each of them. Exactly. Like name something about your friend, like something that would, I don't know, just offer the opportunity yeah. for more goofiness. But ultimately, we did have a final rose winner, and that was Sheree, which I think that everyone in the audience was really happy oh, about. Yeah. And and the like other, I think it was KG was the other person who uh, who was up there, and like she was also rooting for Sheree. Like that was yeah, that was like a it was fun. Everyone was very supportive of each other. But uh, Thomas came out at like I think this was when Thomas came out. Becca's yeah, boyfriend right towards the end. Thomas, of course, Wait, uh, hold on. from Paradise. We were deprived of oh, yes, this is true. the proper final rose ceremony oh, yeah. exotic backdrop, like which would have been very easy to project onto yeah. that stage. So that I def- it almost felt like it's like, oh, are we in a quarantine season of The Bachelor where you guys can't travel anywhere fun? And so you're not giving us an exciting final rose ceremony location so that i that i found to be disappointing they also should have had like a white noise machine playing behind them or something so that you couldn't actually hear their audio right because the waves are so loud yeah (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, we want authenticity yes. in our Bachelor Live on stage. Um, but yes, then so, Thomas came out. Yes, then Thomas came out. Should we talk a little bit about that and then also about our overall feelings about Becca as host? Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, Thomas came out and like Becca, I think it was a surprise, right? Like she didn't know he was there. No, I know? think he do- I, think I think he, he does, does this, this every, every show. show. He's on the tour bus with her. Every time? Wow, she's a good actor. She fooled me. <laughs> I think it might be that it's unclear at what portion of the show he's going to come out, but I feel like he's on tour with her. They are... C- What's so fascinating, this is what's also so fascinating to me about this show. It's like, what, I, not even, I guess a year ago, I don't remember how long ago Katie's season was, but as a collective, you know, Bachelor Nation hated this man. Mm-hmm. They hated him so much. He was vilified. He was sent packing off of Katie's season in an incredibly harsh way. <laughs> Although not everyone agreed Which with that Which I think at the time on this podcast, yes. we we did question Correct. whether it was a little unnecessarily yeah. harsh. A little bit of crossing the line and kind of almost intentionally embarrassing and shaming him publicly in a way that was really just not warranted. Um, but the audience hated him. And it's amazing how within the franchise, they know how to... They, they are really good at recrafting someone's narrative and recrafting someone's edit. And if they realize that it's going to be beneficial to them within, like, the world of Bachelor Nation, they are so happy to adopt someone mm-hmm. who they may have formally cast, formerly cast aside. And so once Thomas, you know, became the court jester to one of the queens of this franchise it's like they are now leaning so heavily into celebrating becca and thomas as another bachelor nation success Y'all, story they will it's take any success story they can to get me. and also like all of our memories all, all of us as you know members of the nation are um we have short short memories and totally people's loyalties are fickle. I love the construct of Thomas as the court jester to the queen, well, not, the, not the, like, not the prince or the, the no. kid, like the, you know, the no. king consort. The queen consort. Yeah. But I will say the reason why I think Thomas is doing so well at this job is because he recognizes that that is his role. Like, mm. he worships Becca, and I think he makes it... Yeah, how can you not love that? He's just like, Becca, the best person on earth. Me, here to serve well, how much does he how much earth. does he love her enough to get on one knee <laughs> that okay was a lot. this was so cringy he <laughs> did a weird bit basically like faux threatening to propose to her and then made a comment to the whole audience about how he's trying to get her <laughs> pregnant and i was just like wait did no, ta- just go back to being cute and hug each other, like love your relationship. We could don't ad lib, Tom. I don't think that I don't was think stand ups yeah. for you. Like really centering himself that time, not like thinking about what Becca might be thinking about yeah. that time. I mean, I give Becca credit for how she handled it. Yes. She rolled with she everything. Rolled with it. Yeah, overall. 
What kind of grade would you guys give Becca as the host? What do you think? I'd give her a B for Becca. (laughs) A B for Becca. (laughs) Very specific. Um, That tells me a lot. And now I understand (laughs) exactly how you feel, Harry. No, I think she got an A for me. Like, I don't see how someone could have done it better. So, like, if I'm thinking of, like, that's the 100% of the grade, you know? Like, I... She did. She hit all the marks that I thought needed to be hit for that. Were you going to say she did the damn thing? Oh, God, no. She did open the show that (laughs) way. She did open with do the damn thing. That was the only thing I dock her for. I don't agree that it couldn't have been done better because I will admit that, like, I am now convinced that no one in Bachelor Nation is better at hosting than Caitlin Bristow. Like, Mm. I think that she kind of sits at the very top of that pile for me. Um, and I think that she has more edge to her personality, mm-hmm. if you will. So, like, I think that there are different versions of what a host for this show can be. You could be kind of the the straight man and give the occasional kind of scripted nod and a wink joke. Or if you're someone who likes to kind of fly off the cuff a little bit more, like Caitlin, there would have been maybe a different kind of more wild energy to it. But I think Becca has definitely found her footing, you know, from yeah. the time that she spent hosting the podcast. Like, she clearly is good at kind of playing the, and not in a bad way necessarily, but like the middle of the road hosting job. She has enough personality right. to entertain people, but she is grounded enough to just sort of say her lines and do the job and move everything forward. So is it particularly exciting? No, (laughs) but is she totally sweet? And you know what? I give her props. One thing we didn't talk about was that during that lip sync portion, they first had Justin and Becca do a lip sync. So Becca, you know, changed into her full on bad Sandy outfits, you know, head to toe black spandex. I was and, impressed. Yeah. She had some good moves. She, some, she was. Yeah, she had to dance alongside Becca, I think Becca, she has some uh, definite stage presence. Totally. I really give her credit. And like the show just simply couldn't have run without an able host yes. who is yeah. moving things forward. So I do give her a lot of credit for that. And Sydney. Um. Also, how did you guys feel about Justin? How do we think he did in this role? I think Justin was great. I mean, listen, I actually think that, obviously, I haven't seen any of the other guys do it. So it would take a little bit of a compare contrast. But it seems like there's actually very little that's needed of them, Mm -hmm. aside from kind of standing there on stage and looking pretty. And I will say the one time that he was sort of left to his own devices on stage when Becca went back to do her big costume change and Justin was left on stage by himself to field (laughs) questions from the audience, which I found to be very unfair to him because everyone was just sort sort of just shouting things, including... Chelsea and Maggie were also in the audience um, shouting things at him. And so he that was, I think, a little unfair to put him in a position of having to control the entire theater on his own. But, you know, I think he did what he needed to do. He clearly awarded the roses to the right women who needed to be supported for what they had put out of themselves onto that stage. Um I mean, one thing that I'm curious to hear from you guys is, 
do you think it would be possible to do this show with the genders reversed? Like, do you think it would be possible to do a version of this show where the quote-unquote lead is the bachelorette, not the bachelor? I think that'd be... I think it would be possible. I just think that they understand that the majority of the people that are going to show up to a show like not, this not just the majority are the super majority but the super majority are specifically straight women who want to in some capacity like jokingly or not like kind of lust after some of the the dudes oh, yeah. and so i think that i think it would have been fun if they did like a combo where they had, like, a bachelor and a bachelorette. Like, I think they could get more creative. I think, honestly, some a stage show like this would really benefit from having more queer people in Bachelor Nation. Uh, like, I would have loved them to do one with, like, Demi, mm-hmm. for example, as the lead. Like, I think that could have been really fun. Totally. Um, but I think I'm not surprised that they went for the most – the model that they knew was most likely to get them the numbers that they wanted and like the volunteers mm-hmm. that they wanted. And that was. Yeah. I I think structurally it could be done the other way. I think logistically it would have been impossible because uh, like that audience was, I think like 95% female. And to the point where the bathrooms, they opened up the men's bathroom to, to be a, any one bathroom. And which caused a lot of a lot of chaos after the a show. lot of chaos in the bathrooms. Uh, I've never been heckled while I've been standing at a urinal before, but uh, <laughs> so sorry. But now you that have. was a real first. Uh, I yeah. I will say that I think that in in order to swap it, they would have had to do, or they would have to do what you were saying earlier, Harry, where it's precast, not yeah. casting out of the audience. Yeah, but they precast it with people. Um, because I actually think that a female audience would, a heavily female audience would enjoy watching yeah. the male contestants yeah. go after the Bachelorette. And then you better believe that those male contestants would then be capitalizing on whatever attention they got from <laughs> women in the audience after the show. Yeah. Um I also just think my overall impression of it was I know that they need to be in big theaters because they want to sell the tickets and make the money. But I would have loved so much to see something like this in like a smaller, like whether it's the Bell House or Joe's Pub to get super close to like a small, intimate venue where you would see either a comedy show or a, A a cabaret. Because if it could feel more intimate, I actually think that the fun factor would be up so significantly. Mm-hmm. And I know that that's not oh, I what so they're agreed. in it for. They're in it to make money. Yeah. But I kept imagining being in one of those environments watching it. And I was like, oh, that would be so fun. Yeah, that'd be super fun. I do. No, I, t- I totally agree. I do think I do want to say for Justin's grade, uh, like one, you can't give Jay as a grade, so I won't give him that. But I thought he... He brought enough, like, he reacted. I think the host of this show's main job is to, like, react well, like, to not be awkward when people are awkward because people aren't trained. Like, the audience members aren't trained to give, like, you know, pristine answers. And he handled people's answers and whatever, if they fell on stage or if, you know, if a wig falls off or something. Like, he handled all of it, like, very gracefully and, like, very... 
he was enthusiastic throughout the whole time. And I agree. It felt like he was really supportive of like all the women who were up there and was getting into it with them. And he didn't seem awkward at all. Yeah. And he didn't. Yeah. And like he he reacted to every he seemed to like everyone there and like be friendly towards everyone. The one that part about his Q&A thing he did. That was the one time he messed up because he had cue cards for questions. He just decided to like open it up to audience questions oh, as soon did? as he could after doing one. Yeah, he did. Oh, I one totally card missed question. that. And I was like, no, no, no. Stick. To, that's when I was like losing my mind. Be like, stick to the cues. Stick to the cues. I was Don't probably do questions. too busy finishing my vodka soda. So I, yeah, I you missed had a lot that. of popcorn in front of you. I was having a lot of popcorn <laughs> and and drinking. But yeah, yeah, that was that was a mis- a misstep on his part because that was an error. But you know, it's just it's all just part of the the by fly by the seat of your pants atmosphere it's of Broadway. the Bachelor Live yeah. on you stage. Never know what's it's Broadway, happen. baby. It's not Broadway. It's the Upper West Side. But whatever, it's live Broadway. theater, baby. <laughs> yes, what that's technically true. technically on you know seventy fifth and Broadway. <laughs> So before we wrap up, we do need to spend a little bit of time talking about some of the real life weirdness that we witnessed um, in terms of our interactions with some of the Bachelor alums that were there and also some of the behavior we witnessed <laughs> uh, between some of the audience members and and some of the cast members. So the alums that were at the show were Rick, who we had, we said before, um, Romeo, uh, Maggie, and Chelsea. I believe it was just the four of them. Those are the ones that I, I clocked. I think so. Yeah. Those are definitely the ones that the audience clocked. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. They're very eagle Definitely. Um, we, Liv and I actually ended up at going to dinner with Rick, uh, who we had never met previously, and Romeo, who we had hung out with before, and he's very, very sweet. But that was really fun. And then we, the three of us, ended up running into Maggie and Chelsea at Will Call when we were get, mm-hmm. all getting our tickets. I just want to say about dinner, it was very fun. As Right as we sat down, I think we all clocked the fact that there was a table of women my guess is in their early 20s. Yeah, they seemed a, quite a bit younger. They seemed like, you know, a they were really group cute. of adorable Gen Z women sitting at the table right next to us. They were all clearly dressed for kind of a fun girls night out. And as soon as we sat down, I was like, they have totally recognized the boys. I bet you $1,000 that they are going to the show. And as they got up to leave... They, I, and I thought that they handled it very well. They were very sweet and respectful about it. They were like, we're so sorry to interrupt. We just have to say, we loved you guys on TV. And then they were like, are you going to the show? (laughs) (laughs) And I thought that was cute. I thought it was really cute too. (laughs) Um, And I think especially Romeo, you know, he didn't make it that far on his season of The Bachelorette. So I don't think he's someone that like, out in the world normally, especially in New York City, gets, like, recognized on the street all that often. Like, it happens occasionally, but not a ton. So that was – I thought that was very cute. 
Um, I don't, this, then, yeah, as, as that's how I know that I would not be good at uh, being on that show for many reasons, looks, personality, anything, but <laughs> uh, availability. I'm married, for instance, but uh, the, I if someone came up to me and like I'm in part of Bachelor Nation, I'm blocks away from where the theater is and it's dinner time and someone asked me if I'm going to the show, my instant reaction would be super sarcastic and really mean. <laughs> And I don't think that's a good way to be a Bachelor Nation member. Yeah, you don't want people to, like, go on Reddit and be like, this person <laughs> was, was a total fucking asshole to me. <laughs> like, you don't need that. You don't want that following you around. Yeah, I've not managed a brand um, of my own before. No. But, of course, look, I think that, like, Chelsea, Maggie, Rick, and Romeo all went into the night, I would assume, like, knowing that they're mm-hmm. going to a fan show that people are going to be excited to see them, that people are going to want to take pictures with them. And to me, that's like, yeah, that's what you signed up for. If you're going to show up to one of these things, like you should have fun with that. You should enjoy that. And you shouldn't be weird about that. So like that part of it, I was like, of course. And I think Chelsea and Maggie were being really, really sweet with fans and we're getting really into that. And I saw them taking a lot of photos during intermission both Rick and Romeo were kind of out in the theater taking a bunch of photos. Um, and that was all like cute and and fun. Very and sweet. I definitely yeah. don't and they know that's beneficial to them too. Like that they're keeping their brand out there and stuff. Like it's they it's a win. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Let's be clear. Like if you are a contestant on the show and then you're continuing to be in that world, like it's definitely an interaction that goes both ways, um, you know. So I certainly just want to be very clear that, like, I think all of that was understandable and good and, like, of course was going to happen at a fan event. Um, So during intermission, though, we did witness, which I think has been posted on a couple Bachelor gossip <laughs> accounts, including, like, Zachary Reality's TikTok, that... Chelsea, who had made a little like stood up in the audience and had a little back and forth with Justin during the show right before intermission, then during intermission tried to get backstage because, of course, she knows all these people, Mm -hmm. of course. And they wouldn't let her. Well, I I was doing the play-by-play for you on this when it was happening. (laughs) You were. You were. Harry was the one who clocked this. I was like very much not paying attention. Harry was like, is that Chelsea trying to like Oh, oh! She's trying to talk her way backstage. What's well, what's happening? Her, what did you so see? So I Harry? saw her like get up because she was sitting. Sta- uh, I'm gonna get stage right and left right. She, we were facing the stage, and she was on the right side of the stage. And the like the entrance to get backstage was on the left side of the stage. Uh, and so I saw her like get up and cross over there during the intermission, like while you guys were getting your drinks and stuff. Because I was very quick and went to the right line and got my drink very quickly. But. <laughs> Um, should have gotten two. Some of us were trying to pee. <laughs> I'm sorry, I Harry. I, was a while. I didn't realize there how was much a long was. line. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, but so I saw, saw her like go over to the security guards that were in front of that stage. And like she was like she and Maggie were both like talking to them. And um, like I, the body language seemed a little like um, like she was, you know, like trying to get something or something like when you're, you know, how like you stand when you're like trying to be friendly, but also like assertive. Um, and this went on for a little bit. And um, then like one of the producers came out. I assume one of the producers. I don't know. They didn't have a producer badge or something. But someone else 
that wasn't wearing a security outfit came from backstage and talked to her for a while and was just like shaking her head the whole time. And uh, like clearly it was say, like turning down whatever Chelsea was trying to like to get to happen. And I do do I, am I remembering this right? Like when she spoke up during the Q&A thing, I feel like she implied that she would like want to get on stage or, or something like that. I think Justin was like, Chelsea, you're here. Why aren't you up here? You should be up here. And she was like, okay. Oh, and right. did a little model walk. They were sort of having a little, a little back and forth. And everyone was like, yeah, get Chelsea up there. But then clearly there had been no coordination to make that happen. Yeah. It becomes a very different show if you let like a former Bachelor person on. Oh, yeah. Uh, in it, into it. Yeah. So that was definitely an awkward moment. I think she did end up getting, go, they ended up going backstage. There was like a meet and greet, which After the show, we did not yeah. participate no, in. No. Um, but I believe that, that that Maggie and Chelsea were back there with like Becca and Thomas and Justin and everything after. So I don't, know. I don't know if that was the arrangement that they had come to, but we we didn't stick around for that. At the very end of the show, when we were kind of waiting for our Ubers to to leave the theater and like the three of us and Brett and Romeo were just hanging out outside the theater and, and chatting. And obviously no one wanted to talk to any of us except for Romeo, <laughs> um, which of course I understood because who the fuck are we? <laughs> but we did witness some fan behavior that felt like a little over the line. And, and this came right after Harry, were you in, in the men's bathroom when this yeah, happened? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think oh, Harry, yeah. Brett so and I, Romeo went, we went to the bathroom, to the bathroom, the, like the non, the now a non-gendered bathroom, but there was still like a bay of urinals because it was normally the men's bathroom. And like, there was a line of, this is when I got heckled because there was like a line of people waiting for the stalls, mostly girls and like a a handful of guys. And like the line wasn't that long. So it wasn't going all the way back to the urinals at this point. So I just went into the urinals and (laughs) someone, someone got like, someone heckled me for like cutting the line. Basically. (laughs) I was like, this is, I saw that happen a couple of times. And a dude, like when I was waiting in line, that happened too. And a guy was like, I'm going to the urinal. (laughs) That's fair. Very fair. But uh, someone, I don't know. I didn't see this happen because I left before uh, before Romeo and Brett like went back in there. But I think someone was trying to take pictures of them using the urinals. Yeah. What happened is so someone upsetting. kind of like, because basically the way that the bathroom line happened was that it like had to go directly past the little urinal section. And like if you were stalls, just standing yeah. there, there was enough space and the walls were such that like it it wasn't totally exposed but you could also be a creep and peek your head in and try to like it was pretty exposed like but people were moat for the most part you know just looking straight ahead and not trying to violate someone else's space um but I guess when Brett and Romeo were still back there Harry you had already left a woman like picked up her phone to like take a picture and there was another guy who had been back there and then started getting into it with this woman. And I think Romeo and Brett were like very shaken by it, understandably. And it was just like, y'all, like that is not it. Like you don't get to violate someone's private space just because you have a public or like a a parasocial relationship with that person. Mm -hmm. And like 
that really kind of grossed me mm-hmm. out. And then when we were outside afterwards, a handful of groups of people were talking to Romeo, which I, again, I don't find that creepy at all. But then it kept extending and extending. And there were a couple people who were kept trying to find out where Romeo was going after and not really taking social cues of like this person just trying to be friendly and being like, oh, I'm going to a friend's, I'm going to see a friend. Like I'm seeing some friends. Like we're getting in an Uber. Nice to meet you. Like there was a lot of lingering. And then even some like, oh, you have to take my friend's number. You have to start texting with my friend. And I, it was it was this thing that like I hadn't really considered before, like how, you know, we talk a lot about the way that I think often men on this show are elevated to this mm-hmm. to this place of like having kind of enormous unearned sexual capital. And that can be really fucked up for women that are interacting with them. Mm-hmm. But it can also put these men yeah. in a really uncomfortable position where they are assumed to be sexually and romantically available to fans. Yes. And that was very, made me very uneasy to witness. Yeah, it was weird to realize, like, because uh, I saw, I was there when, like, one of the fans was, like, approaching, it was, like, asking, asked Romeo if he was, like, going to this specific bar, like, trying to, and, like, kept mentioning, like, bars uh, to see, like, where he was going to go afterwards. And I just realized, like, oh, I guess there is, like, a lot of reporting now of, like, uh, like accounts that report, like, about, you know, the various former Bachelor contestants, like, going to certain clubs and stuff. And, like, so it is something that, like, if you're super into this show, you can follow and, like, know that, know where they're, go- like, that's just a part of your news feed is these updates on, like, where the social outings, the social outings that these people are doing. And so if you want it does seem like it makes them seem like available or something to you. And so these people were just jumping on to that, it seems. And, and like trying to make them trying to put themselves into that as if it were just like another like opportunity to be on the show. Yeah. It, yeah. It's this weird. I don't know if double standard is the right word, but it's like on the one hand, the only reason why people think that they have this kind of access to them or it's okay to cross these boundaries with them is because they deem them to be, as I was talking about before, kind of like real people, quote unquote, as opposed to a different kind of celebrity that we're used to. Like there feels like there's more of a divide when it's an actor, a performer, like someone, someone who isn't just famous for being themselves in the way that a reality personality is. But then on the flip side, you would never do this to just like a regular person. You would never, or quote unquote regular person, a non-famous face. You would never. Or maybe you would, but it doesn't make it okay. <laughs> it would be creepy behavior. It would be creepy behavior like no to... matter what, but I don't think that people would feel comfortable pushing those boundaries in quite yeah. the same way. I mean, let's be clear. There obviously are people who behave that way. <laughs> there are plenty of people in this world who don't know how to take no for an answer. No, I do not need you to buy me a drink. No, I do not want you to come with me and my friends to the next bar, whatever it might be. But it does feel like they're, Emma, I think you're making a really good point. It's like we, we've spent a lot of time talking about kind of the, the downside 
you know, on on one level of kind of elevating these men because of their sexual and romantic capital, you know, without necessarily without them necessarily deserving it. And to be clear, that's not right. me talking about any of the men that we were with on Saturday night. Because Romeo deserves his sexual capital. Romeo and Rick <laughs> both deserve opinion. it immensely, in my opinion. But the the flip side of what that means for them and the ways in which people think it is okay to violate their boundaries and push past their comfort zones and not take no for an answer and insert themselves in a way that ultimately isn't appropriate. And that's, to as you said, like, it's not fun to witness that. It's kind of jarring and a little upsetting. Yeah. And I do think that that's something that women from the show do not have to deal with in quite the same way because of the fan base. Because, like, you could see how Chelsea and Maggie were sort of you know, reveling in a in a lovely way in getting the attention from the female fans and talking to them as if they're just like girlfriends of theirs and taking pictures with them. And mm-hmm. that's a totally different energy and vibe and dynamic. There was no violation of Correct. boundaries that we witnessed with Maggie and Chelsea. It was yeah. like very, yeah, these are new friends. And that was that was like, as you said, very, very sweet to witness. So I think before we wrap up, I just want to give every get everyone's final feel for this show. Should people go out there? Like, is this a show worth seeing? Oh, I mean, you got to put a. So I used to work on Freakonomics Radio as a show. So you got to put a price on. Is it worth seeing? You know, like. Okay, is it worth paying forty five dollars for a ticket? And then how much were drinks? Forty five, I would say <laughs> yes. Drinks are drinks are separate. You're choosing to do drinks anyway, probably regardless of what you're doing on a Saturday night. It's not a choice. <laughs> but uh, I would say like forty five dollars. Yes, I think it'd be worth it. Uh, I think I saw tickets online pretty close to the date of it, and they were going for like on in the orchestra level for like ninety something. And I would say no, no to that. I agree. 45, yes, it is a weird, surreal fucking fever dream <laughs> that you should probably be tipsy yes. and or have taken an edible to witness. Yes. 85, 90, I wouldn't pay that. Yeah. If if you're not doing, if you're not going for your job or like to, <laughs> with the air to, with the, if you're not going with the idea of like remembering it and being able to recap it later, like I would recommend being much drunker <laughs> within yeah, reason. I, I completely agree. I think, you know, it's the kind of thing that you want to do with a group of girlfriends. Like honestly, when we were, when we were there, I was sort of likening it to like one of those kind of almost like magic mic shows that you would go to with your girlfriends for someone's bachelorette party. Like it does have a bit of that energy. And so if you can lean heavily into that vibe, then I say go for it. In fact, I heavily encourage someone to do it for their friend's bachelorette party and then get their friend who is the bachelorette up on that stage and see what chaos ensues. Yeah. Um, I think this is a brilliant plan. <laughs> and, you know, I think we need to wrap it up here. But Harry, Liv, thank you so much for joining me on this wild journey. Thank of you course. for having me. Literally, thank you for having me. <laughs> that was uh, <laughs> so fun to get the invite to come see this. <laughs> it was 
My pleasure. Um, and yes, thank you to the production company of this show for giving us some some press tickets. Much appreciated. <laughs> and on that note, that is it for Love to See It with Emma and Claire. Thanks to our wonderful guests, Terry Huggins and Livia Kramer. Love to See It is produced by us, Claire Fallon and Emma Gray and Stitcher. This episode was edited by Tamika Weatherspoon. Our theme music is by Tamar Haviv and our art is by Celine Chang. Josephine Martirana is our executive producer. If you like our show, please rate us five stars, follow us, leave us a review, and of course, spread the word about our show, especially to anyone that used to listen to us as Here to Make Friends. Of course, if you want to get in touch, you can always email us at claraandemmapod at gmail.com with your questions, voice memos, random thoughts, whatever you're feeling. And you can also find us on Twitter at Love to See It Pod and Instagram at Clara and Emma Pod. And you can find our newsletter, Rich Text, on Substack at claraandemma.substack.com. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Emma Lady Rose. And we'll be back next week with even more Bachelor gossip, more The Courtship, and maybe more Temptation Island. Can you keep up? I like love it. Stitcher. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.